Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. I'm just going to pray for Katie now as she comes to bring God's word. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing Katie here today. Thank you for what she's prepared. And please bless our ears as we listen to what she said. Um, Be with her, let her be calm during it, and that she knows it's you speaking through her. Amen. Thanks so much, Bethany. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Katie. It's great to be with you here today in person and online. Um, so I'm sure many of you have been following the Six Nations Rugby Tournament over the past few weeks. Sadly, Ireland haven't won since 2018. England and Wales getting in there before them. Now, do you think as rugby players representing their country in one of the biggest tournaments of the rugby world, that they're quite chilled out about the whole situation. Do you think Mark Hansen, the new boy, before his debut match against Wales, was sitting with his feet up, watching Netflix with a Guinness in hand, not worrying about anything? Well, I think it might be fair to say that the Irish rugby team were and are in fact expecting the championship to be difficult to be trialling as they push their bodies to the limit, fighting for victory, and perhaps more importantly, are fearful of bringing heartbreak to the nation. Rugby players, athletes, they expect to suffer for the sake of their sport because they're ambassadors for their nation. We've been looking at the past few weeks about what it means to live as an ambassador for Christ as we've read through the letter of Peter. We've been looking at what it means to be resident aliens engaging with a culture around us, to be different and distinct in a way that is modeled by Jesus. We repay evil with blessing. We deeply love our friends, but we don't assimilate with them in a way that is counter to what God asks of us. Previous to this part of the letter, Peter had just written about godly living. He now continues to say today that as a result of heavenly living, we will have earthly suffering. And that's what we're going to unpack today. That's what we're going to think through. Firstly, expect, expect to suffer as a Christian. Secondly, joy. How can we experience joy in the suffering? Thirdly, privilege. How can we know the privilege of this suffering? And fourthly, the warning. How can we be alert to the warning of judgment? 
and then we'll look at how we can respond. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, this message does not exclude you. The words in the Bible can provide a helpful insight into what a real relationship with Jesus looks like. Jesus says regularly throughout the Bible that there is a cost to following him on earth. You'll be considered strange and radical. I mean, it is all quite a paradox, isn't it? We give up our lives. We make ourselves slaves to Jesus to find freedom. Well, Peter addresses this cost and suffering and joy and the paradox of it all in these verses. Our first point, expect and receive suffering for Jesus. Look with me at verse 12. Peter says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fire ordeal that has come on to test you. Peter does a reality check with the Christians just as the rugby players are not surprised an injury or a mistry as if this was a phenomenon that would never occur within this sport. We, as followers of Jesus, we're strangers, we're aliens. We belong in a heavenly, eternal world, not a perishable earthly world. So what do we expect but fiery ordeals that prove testing, that challenge our identity as members of the family of Christ. Well, what could these fiery ordeals actually look like? On a greater scale, it could be seen as Christians in China who have their churches underground and have to hide their Bibles from the government. There's a few students I've worked with who this has been a real experience for. As Christians in Dublin today, we're being faced with being considered a bit of an old one, a bit weird bit radical in how we live. If you're in a relationship, I wonder, have you ever been asked this? Why won't you just move in together so it's cheaper rent anyway? If you know you're getting married soon, would you not just sleep together anyway? Sure, what's the difference? If you're single, why are you not just having casual sex every weekend? Are you not bored? Sure, go on, have another drink. I know you've said that's enough for tonight, but you'll have one more. What's the harm? Is how you treat people or speak about people any different than how the rest of the workplace does? Is your language any different? A few years ago, I had a conversation with a really good friend of mine about the starting point of human life. When I told her that I believed life began at conception, she said she could no longer respect me as a person and we basically don't have a friendship anymore. All of the trials that come why do they exist? Do you notice the similarity between this verse and what Peter says earlier in Peter? Fire refines. We see that the fiery ordeals that we face for a little while, they're there to test us, to see whether we're truly committed to Jesus above all else. Do the temptations of our world choke our devotions to Jesus? Or do the sufferings we experience and the things we have to deny for being a Christian reveal that we don't actually love Jesus that much? Will we say yes to one more drink because it's easier than explaining why we believe drunkenness disobeys God? Do we receive or reject suffering? 
In the face of trials, does faith or fearfulness lead? Peter speaks these words because he wants to remind the Christians he's writing to in Asia and Galatia who face a threat of persecution, a real threat to expect and receive fiery ordeals because of the significance of growing in faith in deepening your love and for God, the knowledge of his grace for you and learning how to trust and to depend wholly on Jesus. Let's remember where we truly belong, that those who follow Jesus are only temporary residents here on earth. If we are tested, we will learn. As we learn, our faith, which is of greater worth than gold, will be refined to ultimately honor and praise Jesus. You're a rugby player. Don't be surprised when you get injured. You're a Christian. Don't be surprised when you suffer. Your faith is being refined for the sake of Jesus. Point number one, expect and receive suffering. Point number two, experience the joy because Christ suffered first. Our expected fiery ordeals have a purpose. We are bearing witness to his name. And that is why Peter tells us, instead of being surprised, be joyful, consider this a blessing. Verses 13 and 14. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. How can these fiery ordeals ever be joyful? Though, How does this paradox work? Well, this is the good news part of it. The sufferings of Christ that we participate in or his death on the cross. The painful execution and crucifixion and the nail-pierced hands and the suffocation, the ultimate sacrifice for the ultimate suffering of taking the sin of the world on his shoulders for you and for me. Therefore, as Christians, we don't suffer to contribute to our atonement but we suffer because we are counted worthy by God to suffer in the name of Christ. Us, who like to pretend we're God as we take control of our own lives and try to hide from our Savior when things get tough, he still chooses to have us here as ambassadors on earth for him. We are counted worthy. That should bring us joy. (coughs) Pardon me. A story in the book of Acts chapter 5 shows the apostles being put in prison and flogged for teaching others about Jesus. But after their flogging, the apostles left rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. One of the apostles was Peter, who had previously denied Jesus three times at the beach. Yeah, he was still counted, thank you so much, (laughs) worthy for suffering. Suffering for the name of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <coughs> it's not COVID. <coughs> Thanks, Becca. No. Yes. After their flogging, the apostles were said to be rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. And that was Peter, our author. And he was still counted worthy. 
And as our trials are linked to his, they point to him. The story of the cross is highlighted. His love for every human is demonstrated. It shows your classmates, your work colleagues, your sports team that this person, Jesus, is worth suffering for. It's worth putting your neck on the line for. The suffering is not empty. It's for a person. It's not random. Jesus is worth suffering for. That is why we can truly experience joy amongst rejection. We're counted worthy. Our suffering points other people to Jesus. But the story doesn't finish here. There is more good news. As we participate in Christ's suffering, we also partake in receiving the glory of God that is promised to us. What is this blessing of glory that's to be revealed, the spirit of glory and of God that rests on us? Well, it's described in a book called Romans in the New Testament, chapter 8. And some of the things it points out about this glory are these. The glory of God is incomparable to any hardships we face on this earth. It's glorious freedom from death and decay. We have the Holy Spirit now as a foretaste of future glory. The future glory will release our human bodies from sin and suffering. The future glory will grant us the full rights to be adopted children of God. God will share his glory with us. We are to follow Jesus and participate in everything he participated in, not because we want to escape hell, but because we are joyful and trust the promise that God has given us, a promise of full majesticness, of wonder, of perfection, of goodness, of purity, all found in Jesus. That is the glory that awaits us, a celebration where the child has been united with the Father. And for now, for this week, the Holy Spirit who will bring about this wondrous, glorious reunion rests on us. This is an assurance that God is present with us and therefore there is a real joy to be experienced. What a blessing that is to participate in the same glory that only Jesus truly deserves. And a blessing for Dublin. Whenever living for Jesus means we have to say no to what the world says yes to. We're counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. We point other people to Jesus in our suffering. We share in his glory. The suffering has a purpose. The purpose is Jesus and he has given it a reason to be overjoyed. Let's experience that joy. Expect to suffer. Experience the joy. Point number three. Know the privilege of suffering because it is for Jesus. Look with me at verses 15 and 16. We see another paradox emerge. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. What is the punishment for being charged as a murderer or thief in AD 60 when Peter was writing? Death. 
But Peter wasn't expecting the Christians he was writing to to be carrying out these crimes as part of their everyday routine. He refers to these crimes to highlight the emptiness of worldly suffering. If you're put to death for thieving, you die for what? If you're put to death for Jesus, which Peter eventually was in AD 64, he was hung hung upside down on the cross for preaching the name of Christ. If you die for Jesus, whether physically or societally, it is a privilege. If, as people who follow Jesus, we are held to account and charged as being criminals of Christ, we need not be ashamed. Because God, out of grace and kindness, wants to be associated with our name. Praise him for that. God the creator, God who split the Red Sea, who raised men from the dead, who had compassion on those killing him, who surrendered himself for us despite our constant prostitution of ourselves to other idols that glorify our status, our bank account, our name. God still wants to be linked to us. He gave us this privilege to own his name and praise God for that, worship him because of that. I took a module in college, I studied history. It was called Irish and Jewish Identities. And I remember the first tutorial group there, um, the opening discussion was what did we identify as, what characterized our initial identity? People said their Irishness, people said being a woman, being a man. Um, I knew the question posed a prime opportunity to say my identity was firstly as a Christian. Um, The lecturer asked around, any more answers? Anyone want to say anything else? A moment of silence. I said, nothing. The discussion moved on. I was ashamed of the name of Christ. I didn't want to bear his name because I was afraid of being laughed at or talked about by my class. I wonder, have you been in a similar situation? Yet he still is not ashamed of me. He still is not ashamed of us. We have the privilege of being ambassadors for Christ. Suffering for being a Christian, it is the most worthy cause, the cause of Christ. Expect to suffer for Jesus. Experience the joy for Jesus. Know the privilege because God wants to be associated with your name. And finally, remember the warning. Peter gives us a piece of further advice here as we see in verses 17 and 18. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. God's household those of us who claim to be Christian. The suffering might strengthen our faith as we read in verse 12, it might refine it. However, many will also fall away from the faith. This is the judgment. The genuineness of a person's faith may be proven disingenuous. The pull of the world may appear to be of greater attraction than Jesus. You may not deem him worth it all. Is Jesus worth the loss of your job? Is Jesus worth the loss of your popularity? 
Is Jesus worth the loss of immediate satisfaction and pleasure? Is Jesus worth the loss of worldly freedom? Does everyone in your life know that you claim to worship Jesus? This is the warning. It's like Christians, like we're put into a sieve as if you're sifting flour through. Some will make it through. Some are going to get stuck. Some of us are going to give in and become residents of the world and strangers to Jesus. The sifting of Christians is happening now. Will you suffer for him? Or is it just easier not to? Where is your heart today? Will you get stuck? But one day, judgment will happen to the whole world when God comes again. We see this in the proverb Peter inserts here. If the righteous face judgment on earth, what does that mean for the one who doesn't obey the gospel? Well, what does it mean? It means you do not share in the glory of God. If you're here today and you don't believe in living the way God has called humanity to, let this be a warning. When the final judgment comes, you'll either be with Jesus or you won't. You'll either be in glory or you won't. And it is final. Let me ask you this. Why does Jesus not make the cut for you? Why is he not enough? Why is he not worth it? We all get to choose how we will respond to the warning. Are you with him or against him? So then, how can we not get stuck? How can we respond to this? Suffering as a Christian, experiencing joy in it all, knowing the privilege. This is our application. Verse 19 gives us that answer. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. We are left with an assurance and encouragement because suffering doesn't have the final say for us. Jesus does. As you suffer in the stranger, as a stranger in this world for God's will to point people to the love of Jesus, the faithful one who had the power to create all things has made himself available to you to commit to. Whether it be speaking up for no sex before marriage and work, or befriending that person in college that everybody else hates, whether that's being rejected by your family members because they do not accept Christianity, or leaving a comfortable pay to work in Zambia with children in poverty, moving out to China to give out Bibles with the risk of imprisonment or execution. You're safe in the suffering because a faithful God is participating with you. And once we have committed dependent on God's strength and for his glory alone, we can continue to do good as ambassadors for him. We can choose to live godly lives, standing out amongst the crowd, not to escape punishment from God, but because we want to share in the glory of Jesus with Jesus. 
We commit and continue to do good according to the Bible, not because we need to perform for God, but because we trust him enough. Our relationship with Jesus doesn't need to be earned or achieved. We commit and continue because we want to be associated with Jesus. We recognize the unconditional love available from him, the sacrifice of suffering he made for us. If you're not a Christian here today, do you see that following Jesus is more than just a comfort tool? That the cost is not small? When we face rejection by the world, by our friends, by government, by society, we are met with acceptance by God and a promise of future glory because of Christ. Suffering as a Christian. Expect to suffer and receive it because of Jesus. Experience the joy within the suffering because Jesus has deemed you worthy of it. Know the privilege of God in the suffering as he wants to be associated with your name. Recognize the reality of the warning that exists. And as a response, commit to the faithful one and continue to do good as an ambassador of Christ. Suffering is a challenge, but Jesus has given us a reason and a joy in it. Will you choose to suffer for Jesus? Well, I don't know what your answer to that is going to be today. But what we do know is that Jesus deemed you worth it and chose to suffer for you. If you're able to stand with me, I'd like to invite the band up. And let's just take a minute to reflect on who God is as a faithful creator, who Christ is as a saviour. If you want to close your eyes and, and we can take a minute to think and reflect here. Ask God to reveal to you what he wants to teach you this week. Take a moment with him. Are you uncomfortable with the idea of suffering as a Christian or being an ambassador for him? Do you need to seek his help today? Are you struggling to see the joy of Jesus amongst the trials and can only see the hard part of it? Do you need the Spirit to help you recognize that he is the greatest privilege, that belonging to him compares to no other? If you're not living a life with Jesus today, ask God if he's worth it. Let's pray. Jesus, we rejoice that you suffered for us because you loved us so deeply. Help us to be joyful in suffering for your name's sake. Thank you for the privilege of being ambassadors, Father. Sorry when we let you down. Help us, Lord. Thank you for your unconditional and merciful love. Amen. Let us sing.